Hello and welcome back to JLXP. Week one of the LCS 2024 spring split is in the books and we're going to be going over what it means here today. Uh, also, excited to say Let's Go is back to cover opening day of the LCS. You can find the Let's Go episode on the LCS YouTube channel and the full podcast here on the JLXP channel. This podcast, I'm obviously going to be talking a lot about some of the stuff I got to do with Let's Go. So I had a chat with Mark before the day started. I got to talk with Viper, General Sniper's older brother, after his debut victory on Riven, which is just this crazy story. Uh, I also got to talk to Blabber later in the podcast, which I'm really excited about because I've never had him on a podcast before. Other than that, you know, day one of LCS... Didn't have that many surprises, but there's still a lot of new stuff that I really wanted to see happen. So we're going to be talking about all that during this episode. Let's get into it. Week one of the LCS was a very interesting experience, actually, because uh, there was just there, there were just so many moving parts. So like on one end of the spectrum, I was thinking about the overall LCS product, and on the other end of the spectrum, I'm doing analysis on the rookies and the team strengths themselves. So for the purpose of this, I, I kind of want to break it down into what I felt like happened in game and then a little bit about my product thoughts. But I think generally people come to this for, for the team. So I'm going to go through that stuff first. Of the eight games, I feel about seven of them went to expectations. The only upset that I actually have for this whole week was the very first game. So when 100 Thieves beat TL, the other results, C9 beating Energy, FlyQuest beating Shopify, Dig beating IMT. Then the next day, TL beating Shopify, C9 beating 100 Thieves, FlyQuest beating Immortals, and Energy beating Dig. All those were actually to expectations. So there weren't really many upsets or like true surprises in that sense. But I, I want to talk about game one first because this was... The new TL roster with Umpty and Impact returning and new coach Spawn with APA returning from last year as well. And then 100 Thieves, if you would have asked anyone of the five players on 100 Thieves last split, which one would be on their team this split, nobody would have said quid and not Busio and not Doublelift and not Someday, not Closer. Yet, quid actually looked very good in the first game. River had a lot to do with that. He's still an amazing jungler who really, really enables the mid lane. But then also Sniper almost felt scripted with what we got to see in game one because APA for Team Liquid has Ziggs as his signature pick and all throughout Worlds, literally no one would let him play Ziggs. And then also Sniper has an older brother who was the best Riven in the league. And then Sniper also rose to prominence playing Riven Yet in game one of the LCS, in his debut, we get to see Sniper's Riven and also APA Ziggs. So it was a little ridiculous to me that we actually got to see both of those picks in the very first game. A lot of that, I think, had to do with comfort. But then the game itself, to talk a little bit about Sniper, I thought his laning phase was pretty good. I also got to chat with Viper, his older brother, afterwards, and they actually talk about League still almost every day. And literally the day before that match, they were talking about the Riven versus Uder matchup. And Viper was actually surprised that they played that because they both agreed that it's not a good matchup for Riven. But there was definitely, I think, a level of comfort that entered in to actually want to make that pick. The laning phase itself was super split. I went back and rewatched the game. It ended up with Sniper having like a plus 12 CSD at 15, but almost all of that was from like the last minute when Impact's Uter had actually roamed away from the lane to help TL get Dragon, and Sniper just took like a free wave and a half. Up until that point, it was a completely split lane. And then I would say in the mid-game, Sniper actually made a couple crucial mistakes. He got back-to-back -back picked in the side lane trying to push out bot without good wards in his jungle, and Team Liquid made a couple nice plays to, to get two kills on him. Yet, the overall team composition from 100 Thieves outscaled. They ran Seraphine Karma, as well as some like diving bruiser champions, Vi, Yone, and Riven, and just kind of outscaled and won some late-game team fights. So the gameplay itself from Sniper wasn't particularly impressive. His laning phase was fine. He had some rookie jitters, but you could tell, at least I could tell, that I, I really like him. Like, I really like his personality. He 
was super grateful after the game. He doesn't seem like one of those toxic 17-year-old gamers. He just seems really wholesome to me. The most random thing is he tucked in his shirt into his sweatpants. Viper had never seen him do that before, but he was just doing it on stage for no apparent reason. I thought that was pretty funny. And it gives me a little bit of hope that this 100 Thieves roster could make a little bit of noise this split because, as you know, in my power rankings, I put 100 Thieves, Digging Immortals down from 6th to 8th and didn't really have that much to differentiate them. I'm thinking like, yeah, these are probably the bottom three teams uh, with 100 Thieves being the only one of those bottom three teams to take down a top five team, according to my power rankings, gives me a little bit of hope for them. On the side of Team Liquid, I think that was a pretty rough loss for them. Luckily, the next day, they were able to bounce back against Shopify I still think we haven't seen that much from this team. We saw two games of Impact's Uter. I think he will still be a strong player for that team because even just his ability to play frontline and make things happen in the mid and late game, even just in the two games on Uter, who's not even that versatile of a champion, to me had more impact on the overall game than Summit did like past the 25-minute mark. My biggest criticism of Summit and Team Liquid last year was that they could blow up early games, but they did not have an ability to play cohesively as a team past 25 minutes. And I think already Team Liquid with Impact and Core reunited, and even Umpty being extremely aggressive, especially in his second game on Poppy, I think this team doesn't need to be up 2,000 gold at 15 minutes in order to win, which was the case last year for Team Liquid. So obviously... None of these statements when two of the 14 games have been played for the entire split are going to be super conclusive. They're all just going to be little indications of where I think things might be going. Speaking of that, though, uh, I think there's a lot of people that are already willing to crown Cloud9 LCS champions. I think there's also people that are willing to say that they're the best team in the West because they've watched, you know, LEC and LCS are on the same day. You watch LEC, you see their five games, you know. Maybe during game five of LEC, you switch over to LCS or you get raided over and then you get to see C9 crushing people. They're obviously undefeated. It's only two game sample size, uh, but they have the, in the league, the most kills, the fewest deaths, the best early game, the fastest average game time. And uh, Blabber currently has more kills than Shopify Rebellion and Immortals. So pretty good through two games. They do have three former MVPs on their team. I'd say none of them disappointed. Jojo had some incredible moves in team fights. He's also second in the league in kills. Very cherry pick stats because we're literally just based off of two games, but Blabber has 15 kills. Jojo has 10. Everything did seem to be working really well for them. The biggest challenge for Cloud9, and I won't spend too much time on them right now because I'm going to be having Blabber on later in the episode, and I'm going to be able to ask him all of these things. Uh, their biggest challenge is just going to be maintaining motivation throughout the entire split because they are so clearly the favorites in the league and it's like January and they need to be good in September and October. FlyQuest, if you remember a year ago, started spring split 8-0, then got nowhere close to even winning spring and then finished ninth in summer. So... The difference, I think, between Cloud9 and FlyQuest is the scrim performance. FlyQuest has actually was never really good in scrims in spring, despite their huge stage performance. Cloud9 has been crushing people in scrims as well as on stage, but it's never easy. It's never easy to win the LCS. It's never easy to win any professional league, and as soon as you think it's easy is when you lose. So even though if the finals was played tomorrow, I'd probably give them an 80% chance of being champions of the split. I think realistically the chances are more around 50%. It's kind of cloud nine versus the field. That might even seem a little generous just because so much can actually happen throughout the course of a split and more importantly throughout the course of a year. So that's, that's going to be the check-ins on C9 is really if you can ever see that laziness seep in. Laziness is probably the wrong word, maybe complacency. If they start doing that thing where they pick a bunch of stuff that they're not necessarily that good at, and they say, it's oh, it's because we're preparing for playoffs. That's a sign to me that they're bored. Uh, they did that last year. We know last year didn't end well. 
They lost to Energy in the finals, and they lost to Fnatic to get eliminated from the World Championship. So, uh, really high hopes for C9. But again, um, not much to say other than other than great week one. Another team that had a pretty good week was FlyQuest, and this is a team that could be really good, but. I think the worlds in which they're really good are somewhat narrow. But week one was the really good version of them, if that makes sense. The really good version of them is when Bwipo is on point and happy. And in week one, he was. In the first game, he invaded the enemy jungler off of red buff at the very start of the game, sacrificed about four minions for himself, Never really let that matter in the laning phase. Didn't fall behind the pace of the game. So he, sl- he like was able to slingshot inspired ahead of the game. And they needed that because they were running, I think, Senna Seraphine in the bottom lane. So they needed a little bit of time to turn on. They win that game in the, in the late game uh, against Shopify. And then in the second game, Whippo plays Olaf and has a post-game interview where he's really passionate. He's always really passionate and really talkative about the game. But... He says that most people think Olaf is a lane counter, but I don't think Olaf is a lane counter, is what he says. He says, actually, no, it's a really good late game champion, and I'm really glad that I got to showcase this. And if you go back and watch the game, that's kind of what he did. He was really making sure to prioritize his farm. He was really making sure to hit items. And then as soon as he got to three items, he just turned on and he ran into everyone, and he was pretty much unstoppable. And that's a view of how to play the game that... Whippo has kind of always had, like he'll always look towards 10 or 15 minutes in advance. It's just when he gets too ahead of himself that I feel like sometimes he can get into trouble or when he tries too hard to fit into what other people on the team want to do. And that's going to be the key for this team because we have Whippo and Inspired who are two very vocal players who want the game to go a specific way. And in week one, it worked very well because those two were generally running the show. Jensen was on Oriana and Azir, still laning very well, I might add. And a quick tangent on Jensen. When I looked at the starting mid laners for every team, and then I compare that to the Jensen that we have seen in the past, three years ago, Jensen, four years ago, Jensen, if he reaches back to the level that he was at in, say, 2020 or 2019, the majority of mid laners in the game, he can just beat and win the game off of that. If that makes sense. Because when Jensen's at his peak, he will go with a scaling pick, 10 to 20 CS up on his matchup. He won't need jungle attention. He'll be able to avoid ganks. And then he'll be able to pick up kills here and there in team fights. And when you look up, it'll be like the Azir game that he had against Immortals where, oh yeah, by the way, Jensen is 2-0 with 11 CS a minute. And he's actually just going to win the game as long as the team isn't falling apart around him. That's, that's kind of what he was able to do on TL in 2019, 2020 in a lot of situations. It was like literally just get Jensen a good pick. And because he is just better than the other mid laner on stage, not necessarily in scrims, but on stage... Uh, he'll be able to win the game. And he, in the first two games, on his comfort picks, was able to do that. Then the final question we had about FlyQuest and the way it was answered in week one was how are Masu and Busio going to fit into this team? Because Masu was the most valuable prospect in the Challengers League. And he did that, generally speaking, by carrying games. So his most played champions were, in 2023, were... Aphilios, Rakan, Zeri, the types of champions that demand a lot of resources that you need to play around and that can carry the game. What was he going to look like on a team with Bwipo, Inspired, and Jensen? Players that have been deep into worlds, who've won LCS championships. How are they going to let Masu, a rookie, and Busio, a second-year player, what is their role going to be? Well, at least in week one, very supportive. And then, is that actually going to work? Because these are two players, when you are the biggest fish in a smaller pond, like both of them were when they won Most Valuable Prospect and Challengers, are you then going to be a role player? And are you going to excel and accept that role? 
they look good. They honestly look really good. They played Senna Seraphim game one. They played Jin, and I don't completely remember the support in game two, but Masu on different 80 carry picks with a different 80 carry role was still able to succeed. So that's a really promising team, actually. And they think they can beat Cloud9. Maybe they don't 100% believe it, but based off of week one, they look like the strongest competitor to Cloud9 for, for their ability to win the split. Another team that we obviously need to talk about is Energy. The defending LCS champions. I'm not very surprised about the way they looked. They last split last year were a team that was pretty good individually, but mostly excelled in team play and really excelled in best of fives because they're quite flexible. They are able to adapt to their opponent fairly well, especially throughout a series. I feel like they were, you know, really well prepped. They have a really good idea of how they do want to play the game. I think that's one of the big reasons they were able to beat G2 is they like heavily targeted G2's weaknesses in draft and were able to be flexible enough with the picks that Dokla was playing or that uh, FBI and at the time Ignar were playing with, you know, pulling out Senna when no one else was playing it back then. So they, I don't think, will ever be a dominant regular season team. They lost pretty handily to C9. They had an okay game against Dig where they should have won early, or sorry, easily, but had a bit of a barren throw and then were able to recover with like actually good intelligent map plays killing top turret and inhibitor while they're threatening ocean soul, all this good energy macro stuff that you would expect from an experienced team. The who FBI element, I think is actually just going to take a little bit of time because the team itself has spoken about the way they operated and they were very much in the past, uh, a bit of a, I don't want to say like, I'm trying to find the right word for it, like a council in how they make decisions in game, like very democratic. It's not like they had a specific guy who really drives the game. Yet, on Golden Guardians, who he was that guy who drove the game, and he had a lot of success with it. So incorporating that style of shot calling to either dial back or to have the rest of the team dial back and listen more to who he is just not something that is going to click overnight. It may be something that never clicks perfectly. We'll have to see. I think it will need to click perfectly if they want a chance of defending their title, but it is a little bit yet to be seen how the team itself deals with the increased expectations this split this year versus last year because they did have the best North American international performance in a very long time. They actually 2-0 G2, who unanimously people were thinking was the best Western team. So energy... I want to continue to encourage them, but at the same time, one of the things that made them tick last year was people not giving them credit. So I'm just going to keep saying what I see. And they are not the favorites. They're not going to be a dominant regular season team, but I still think they'll have a chance to pull things together later on in the split. It'll be, it'll be a fun thing to track. Those are really the main story points that I have for, for the LCS so far. Um, uh, I'm not going to talk about every team, every episode. Those, those are the big ones for me. Um, on a larger note, the, the product itself, I, I really liked. I liked how fast the transition times were in between games. I'm sure if you were watching kind of the whole broadcast, you really noticed it. Um, not everyone knows, even though I'm sure a lot of the viewers of this podcast do know that like the draft for the next game actually happens backstage 15 minutes into the game. So they'll pre-record the draft. And then when the players go out on stage, even though that pre-recorded draft is being played and cast over and you're seeing camera shots of the coaches walking back and forth and the players chatting amongst themselves, like that draft has already happened. Those players are doing their tech check. So they're just getting ready to, to play on stage. And honestly, it cut transition times down so much. Um, it gives a lot less fill time for the broadcast as well. So it's like sometimes the post-game interviews were happening during commercial breaks. And yes, you could miss them, but at least they were getting posted online, I think on the LCS Twitter account, X account. And you could just kind of be filled with content the whole way through. That being said, we were done at like 3.30 on Sunday, which just feels early 
for what we're used to in the LCS. Like last split LCS was starting at two o'clock, ending at 7 p.m. Now we're starting at 12, over at 3.30? Like, damn. One fewer games, faster transition times. Like it is really a condensed experience, which hopefully leaves fans wanting more and gets them more in a pattern of, of coming back to the LCS because I really do want to see this league succeed. I think there's really positive sentiment, at least behind the scenes for the things that are being changed. Like there's a really good energy uh, behind the scenes, I feel like. Mark's working really hard. He's trying to talk to everyone all the time. I think the, the draft, Changes are pretty cool. I think I did a little like post, we're, we're calling it pros, like post podcast after the LCS where I talked with Jensen, Dokla, and XU. And Jensen just randomly started flaming Korean imports with XU right next to him being like, yeah, I don't think the solo lane imports are that good anymore. And he's, XU's like, dude, like Dove and Rich are on my team. I, I think they're pretty good. It was, it, was, it was fun. And I hope we get more fun player personality stuff like that throughout the split. Uh, I got to cast with Zale, which was really fun. We normally have done tri-cast together with the play-by-play, but he was a play-by-play, and I thought we had a pretty nice balance of him seeing, still being able to get color points in, and you know, I, I do enjoy casting. But uh, enough about that. I think it's, it's more about the players and about the league, and I'm really excited to talk to Blabber. So let's get to that. All right, welcome back to JLXP. I am now joined by Blabber, Cloud9's jungler, four-time LCS champion, two-time league MVP. Do you know how many all pros? I've lost count. Six, maybe? I think six. Jeez, that first well, team. All pros, seven. I have seven all pros. I have yeah. six first team. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And also, for those of you who don't know, Blabber might be the only one who'd be able to beat me in like a LCS historical <laughs> trivia. I feel like in 2021, I would have had you, but I've gotten, I've gotten sloppy in the last you few years. You got sloppy? Yeah. How, how have you been? Uh, I've been good. I'm just Today's our off day, so yeah. we don't have scrims today. Um, Nice to a weekend, so chilling yeah. now. Man, I, I was thinking the other day, you have been on Cloud9. This is your eighth year. No, I think. This is my seventh year. No way. 18. 18. 19. Yeah. 20. 20. I'm going to mess this up. 21, 22, 23, 24, seventh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've been on the team. This is my seventh yeah, year. You're yeah. too good. But that's the longest currently that anyone has been on the same team in the LCS. I think it's like you and then Core J would be like second place. Yeah, I think Core joined in 2019, so I'm a year ahead. Yeah. Of did you think when you joined Cloud9 in 2018, be like, yeah, in 2024, I'll still be chilling? Um, there were there were times when I was in academy where I I wanted to um, play on an LCS team. Yeah. Um, like 2019, after the 2018 like Shigang where we went to Worlds and stuff, yeah. I thought I was good enough to play LCS, and mm-hmm. I didn't really get the opportunity that year. You yeah. know, Spence Garen obviously was really good. He won MVP, and he was better than me at the time, but I still thought I deserved an LCS shot. So. At that year, that year I wanted to play LCS, but yeah. you know, Jack actually convinced me to stay, and um, yeah, he promoted me, promoted me the next year, so I was happy with that. Yeah, I this won't be like a full retrospective, but since you brought it up, I've actually always been pretty curious about that 2019 year, how you almost dealt with it mentally, because in 2018, so some history for people that are newer to the LCS, uh, you were extremely young, extremely aggressive jungler in 2018, and Cloud9 that year did this sub thing where they played like nine different players throughout the split. But you and Jensen were like a pair that would come in. You'd play Kindred, he'd play Zillion or something like that. You'd be super aggressive. And you won like most of your games. And that sub roster kind of went all the way to Worlds. But then in 2019, it was a little strange because you were so good in your first year. Sven Skarin was also good. But 2019, Sven Skarin was starting pretty much the whole time. Um, and then 2020, obviously, when you were finally a full-time starter, you go 17-1 to win the LCS. But just on that 2019, like... How challenging was that to be so good at league, be in your second year on Cloud9, but like still not be in the LCS? Um, for me, 2019 wasn't that hard. Uh, 2018 Worlds was actually really hard for me mentally. Um, okay. Because at 2018 Worlds, I was actually starting, but then mm-hmm. I got benched and um, I knew I was benched because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't performing in scrims. I wasn't oh, really performing on stage. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it was my first year playing, right? So I was kind of in my head that I wasn't good enough. Um, so that year was actually pretty hard for me, but I never had like a personal thing with uh, Dennis or Austin uh, <laughs> Garen. Uh, I always thought he was better than me in that 2019 year. Yeah. So for me, it was like, he should have been starting. Like, I didn't want to start over him. I just wanted to start yeah. in general, right? Um, I, I obviously always wanted to play on C9 after I joined. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I wanted to start there, but like, I didn't think that I had a shot with, you know, Dennis starting, winning MVP, 
than basically almost always winning the split. Yeah. Um, but it was always my goal to play for the C9 LCS team. Um, okay, why, why is that? Because I was already on C9 and I really... Oh, I see. I like, see. before C9, I, it wasn't my, like, I didn't, like, dream of playing on C9 okay, before sure. I joined C9. But when I was already on C9, um, I really, like, just enjoyed the, the atmosphere. Uh, I, I like Jack and I liked the team culture. And I had a lot of fun in 2018 when I played with the LCS team, you know, so... Uh, I wanted to get back there, um, but I wasn't like sure in 2019 that I would be able to play because I just yeah. wasn't sure if Sinskander was going to stay or not. You mentioned the like C9 culture, and there's been a bit of a meme online about like the C9 systems. <laughs> How has that changed over the years? Your daily routine, or has it been pretty standard for the seven years you've been on C9? Uh, our our routines changed a lot. Um, when I first joined, there was no workouts. There was no like uh, like nutrition stuff. Like okay. But now it's like after I would say starting during COVID time, actually, yeah, uh, it was when we mainly started like we had routine workouts in the morning um, and we had like more talks about what we should be eating. Uh, the last couple of years, we've been focusing on sleep as well, mm-hmm. like how sleep is impactful. Do you track performance. it? You track your uh, we did last year. Okay. We don't track it anymore. I mean, some people do track yeah. like on their own time, but we actually had uh, aura rings provided to us by C9 to nice. track our sleep. Um, yeah. And uh, I would say it was helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was younger, like I'm still pretty young, but when I was like younger, when I first joined, I thought like the, the working out stuff was like useless for my gaming. Yeah. Like I was like, why am I working out? But now I'm like, I've gone play, like I've been playing for a long time and I yeah. do have like, I do have like wrist problems and okay. just like overplay. Like I'm fine, but like yeah. if I don't stretch or exercise, you know, I can feel it. And um, yeah, I find the, the routine like exercise is actually really helpful um something i didn't recognize when i was younger yeah sure. there was one really crazy thing for me and, and other people will have their own experiences but you know those reaction time tests you can take where you just like click twice fast and it gives you a, a speed yeah I'm, i think santorin was the fastest on it when i was on tl he got like <laughs> 160 milliseconds or something oh that's like, really crap, fast that's cracked that's really fast yeah. um but i remember taking these like five ten years ago and I was pretty slow. I was like uh, 230, 220. That's very slow. But what's inter- <laughs> exactly what was interesting to me is I got really into fitness in the last two or three years. And I did a lot of like, this is a bit of a tangent, but uh, it, trust me, it's going somewhere. I did like uh, speed training for golf. So I'm just like trying, okay. to, trying to swing a golf club yeah, faster. Yeah. And then I randomly took a reaction time test and I was 195. Oh, that's a lot better. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> like just literally yeah. trying to swing a golf club fast actually increased my reaction time yeah so yeah even though it doesn't seem like there'd be a direct one-to-one because there's like you're not using any muscles is like no you need to have like endurance in your forearms and your yeah, wrists for sure. to avoid injuries it's cool what is actually now the like daily routine for this year that you're going through on c9 uh so because uh we are we swapped scrim schedules this year back to the three 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 okay um, it's not I mean, that happened last year too, no? Or? Yeah, but then we swapped back to five straight. Like, okay. There was a lot of, it was complicated. So this year it's three and three. It's three and three. Okay. And um, we wake up at nine or, mm-hmm. sorry, we show up to the office, uh, workout at nine. Workout starts at nine. Yeah. Uh, technically 8.55. Yeah. So you're not late. Yeah. And then um, we work out till 10 uh, or 9.55, I guess. Yeah. We eat, scrim start at 11. You play 11 to two. You have a one hour break um, until three. Yeah. Scrims never ended two, usually 2.30. Yeah. And then... At three, you start again, three to six. And then after that, we have dinner and we usually have like a, not a meeting, but like we, yeah. we talk as a team like a bit after uh, yeah. Scrim's end. Awesome. Uh, I want to talk about this year's C9 a little bit because you brought in JoJo, you brought in Vulcan. Um, but last year also, you were an incredibly dominant team already. So like, how do you feel like the expectations are different than they would have been like last year to this year? I don't think anyone expected us at the beginning of last year to mm-hmm. be like, the number one team. Yeah. I think most people expected FlyQuest to be the strongest team. Um, we had like a rookie uh, in Diplex at the time. And yep. I don't think anyone was like super hyped about him. Like at least from fan perspective, mm-hmm. I thought he was a super like good teammate and yeah. he was a decent player. Uh, I don't think he's as good as like Jojo, right? But he was a really good teammate. And um, I think this year we, you know, are expected to be the best mm-hmm. and I want to prove that we are the best, but yeah. I think the expectations between this year and last year are, are not the same. Yeah, massively different. Yeah. I mean, I would say you're a super team, and it's something I'm curious what what you think of, like, what actually makes a super team, because there's been a lot of teams throughout history that have had really high expectations. Um, and I there's probably a difference between having high expectations and being a super team. And you've been in the situation of having high expectations a couple times. Like, I'd say there's this split, 
where you have three former MVPs on your team, so pretty much everyone expects you to win, yeah. there would have been maybe even last split. Like, I remember there was a lot of times during the regular season where you guys were just kind of cruising, but it felt like you were going to win the whole time until you didn't. And then also, I'd say, 2020 summer split, after you had the 17-1 and amazing run during COVID, you would have massively been expected to win and you ended up finishing, like, yeah. like fourth. Um, very open-ended question, I guess, but the start of it would be are these the highest expectations you felt on cloud nine or was it one of those other rosters like going into a split what do you think the expectations are for the team i think that this to me even if maybe the fans feel it is it doesn't feel the most i don't feel the most pressure this split okay i would say my year with perks i felt the most pressure oh right to, yeah to okay perform. um one because of how much mo- like money we spent yeah. that year um i really wanted to perform you know, uh, and also just like you're bringing in one of the greatest players in the West of all time. Yeah. So it's like I felt like we had a lot to prove that split. Um, for me personally, I felt a lot of pressure because I had just missed Worlds the year before. Yeah. And it was like that was the only year I've ever missed Worlds. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't feel a lot of pressure that that year. Um, you know, the whole summer split, we were like we had this event benching. We had, mm-hmm. you know, like the collapse during the summer split we're like we're not winning games we're going to playoffs we're immediately lose our first round it's like yeah there's a lot of pressure like if we don't make worlds you know Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's kind of a disaster yeah um this year i'm like i know our team is good and i i believe that we can you know win it all yeah so i'm just playing and i i just feel confident i don't feel like pressure or anything Mm -hmm. i just feel like like we can do it I feel like you kind of have to feel that way because if you if you feel like you're destined to win or deserving to win or you have all that pressure on yourself, I, I feel like it goes wrong so many times. If you're comfortable, I'm actually like, what what have you learned from the past couple times you had really high expectations and struggled that you're hoping to apply to this team? Because like I would say, even you mentioned like the fans have really high expectations for this team, but the fans had really high expectations for the team 2020 summer with the perks roster, even last split. And there were a lot of difficulties along the way. So, like, what have you figured out from those struggles that you can apply now? Um, for me, I just try to take it one step at a time. And I try not to get overconfident. When I was, like, just starting, I would get really affected by social media, Reddit, okay. like, stuff like this. I would read comments and I'd be like, oh, man, they think I suck. Or, oh, they okay. think I'm so good. You know, get over, yeah. your, get over your head, you know. And um, I don't, like, think that I should be affected by those things. Mm-hmm. I should just play my game. And it's like, I've gone through times in my career where I've been the best and I've gone through times where I've looked like shit, right? Mm. Flash for crab, 2020 summer, didn't play well in the playoffs. We missed worlds, you know? Mm. And like, obviously we're going to get a lot of slack for, you know, having super high expectations going yeah. 17 and one, not making worlds. Pretty embarrassing. Right. Right. 2021, we win the split with yeah. perks. Yeah. High expectations for MSI to at least, you know, make it out of groups. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, and I think like... So what was it? Like, let's, let's, let's just take one in particular, like the 2020 summer falling short in playoffs. Because I remember, even during summer split, you guys were still the dominant team in scrims. Like, that was, that was the crazy split that TSM <laughs> yeah, somehow yeah. won. Like, we, no we, one expected TSM to win that split at all based on scrims. Like, the start of the split, they were one of the worst teams in the league. And they, like, somehow clutched it out in playoffs. Like, what... Are there any specific things that you feel like went wrong... Um, with that team when you fell short i actually have no idea what happened to that team we okay. were, we had a 90 percent scrim win rate yeah I uh and we didn't lose to anyone after we lost to fly quest in the semis uh in upper bracket we beat them 5-0 the next day in scrims so <sighs> it's like i'm not actually sure what happened to us yeah. um i guess maybe it's like don't be overconfident mm-hmm. could be a, That's like, one like of almost big, big takeaway. Yeah, yeah but uh but how do you avoid being confident yeah, when you're winning 90 mean, of your scrims yeah i, I don't I don't think there's like one simple solution to it, but like okay. for me, it's just like, just, just stay focused. Like yeah. it's not over till, it, till it's actually over. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the same in, in the game. You can always throw. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember last year people were asking FlyQuest in like week three of spring, like, how are you going to stay motivated for international play? Yeah. It's, it's like, like that didn't even yeah, manifest. About, yeah. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Like for me, I'm not even really thinking about MSI right now. And like, I'm still trying to make sure that we win our games because we won two games out of 14 for all I know we could lose 12 mm. in a row you know like yeah no one knows what's gonna happen yeah how's playing with Jojo it's good I like playing with Jojo he's uh he's very good 
And um, he's really easy to work with, actually. He's a super mm-hmm. good teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just been really nice. I was trying to think what your pairing with JoJo was going to be like because I was trying to go back through the different mid laners you played with, or not even played with, but like won with. First one you played with was obviously Jensen, but the first one you won with was Niski. Yeah. Um, and then you went Niski, Perks, Jensen, MS, and now you're going for a fifth unique mid laner title Don't Fudge. with JoJo. But you didn't win with Fudge. So these are the ones right. you had titles with. You're right, you're right. Yeah. But if you want to talk about Fudge, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'd fine. super no, love to, to know what, 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 what Fudge mid lane was like. But it's more so like uh, some people call you a farm heavy jungler. I've always pushed back and been saying, well, yes, he does farm. But when you talk to opponent laners or when people play against you, they kind of always expect that you're going to be there for the gank. So I just say you're a very efficient jungler. Like last split, you had the best CSD, but then also the most kills and assists of 14 minutes. Um, however, that type of style, like I'd say one thing you probably haven't done is play like, I don't know, River. Like you're not someone who's like, okay, my number one goal in this game is to get my mid laner ahead. Like you're very good at getting yourself ahead and then kind of facilitating that success through, through you. Um, one, would you like agree with that assessment at the start of it? I think I I am more farm oriented. I think mm-hmm. that's just true based yeah. on like my play style. Uh, but I, also the champs I like to play do farm more as well. Yeah. Um, I think I've also had the privilege of playing on really good teams. And mm. when you're on really good teams, you don't have to look for the things that River's doing. Sure. Um, I don't need to like look for these cheese ganks or these. They're not cheese. They're they're good ganks. But like, they're I don't, like higher risk. I, yeah, I don't need to look for like things when I can just play standard. My lanes will win. I can just go do the objective. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's getting punished for me clearing or invading their chickens or their second red buff or something like that. You know, I can just play standard. I can just farm. I can go do the objective. My lanes are winning. They're gonna get choked out, and then I'm just gonna win the game. Yeah. Um, and that's the nice thing about being on C9, right? I've had good rosters, so yeah. I haven't had the need to, you know, think that like, oh, the enemy team has, let's say, Berserker. Might he's not going to out team fight him when we're even. Like, mm. I need to get us ahead, you know. Yeah. And I think that is a real issue that like some teams have when they play against C9. They're like, what do we do? C9 just going to out team fight us if we're even. Mm. Like they, you know, they they could think that and uh, yeah, haven't proven anything with this roster. But I I for sure think that was like a thing for us in like 2022 summer when we won. It's like. Berserker's just gonna one v nine on Zeri, sure. you know, with Lulu. Yeah. Like, you just dust not throw yeah. before that moment. If we're not, if we're not okay. ahead, it's like Berserker Zeri Lulu or Zeri Yumi was when they're just gonna one v nine the game. <laughs> uh, so it's like, I I don't feel like I needed to. I also don't think that's my play style. I don't yeah. like looking for those, um, type of type of like ganks. I would mm-hmm. say, um, I like playing it a little bit more calculated. At least on stage in scrims, I I don't play like that at all. Yeah, but on stage, I like to play a little bit more towards my farm yeah. and uh, a little bit less towards the risk. And uh, I don't, I don't know if it's better or not, but that's just, that's just what no, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, it's working very well. <laughs> I, I have you as, I have you as the best LCS jungler of all time. Some people would obviously put X Smithy there, but you're also not done. So you're going to have, you're going to have more time. What do you think the ideal mid laner for you is from like a playstyle perspective? You don't need to necessarily name names, but you can bring examples of other, of other mid laners because I think there is an interesting diversity in the mid laners that you've won with. So like Niski to me was like the most jungler focused mid we've seen. He's had Svenskeren win MVP when he was mid. He's had you win MVP when he was mid. He's had Oyo win MVP when he was mid. Like he's such a team player. Um, Jensen is almost the opposite of that where he's just incredibly good in lane and incredibly good at getting his own resources. Perks, I have such a hard time putting into a box. Like he's the most random of all of them. And then you also won with MNS, who I feel like he's going to be the most short-lived of all those other mid laners in terms of competitive career, but he was kind of like a bit of Jensen when you played with him. But what do you think the ideal mid laner is for, to fit with your style? Uh, I mean, the ideal mid laner to work with me is just the best mid laner. That, that's just my opinion. Uh, I think at this point in my career, like I can play farm heavy. I can mm-hmm. play Palkai Sejuani and sit mid, but yeah. uh, I've always done best. I mean, I've done good with all of them, but mm-hmm. I've always done best with uh, really vocal mid laners um, okay. that know what they want. The, even if I don't always do what they say, it's really nice to have a second option on what to do. Mm. Um, I don't know if people like for people who played with like Jensen back when he was in his prime, okay. and like 
uh, Perks and like Nisky, they're very, very vocal. Okay. Um, are they vocal in different ways? I mean, to be honest, all millions are the same, except for Nisky. They're always <laughs> just like, come gank mid, <laughs> or like, yeah. we need vision mid, or yeah. like, you know, uh, with Nisky, it was more like, can we dive bottom? Can we invade their jungle here? Can we do this? Yeah. With like Jensen, it was always, not always, but it was like, hey, Azir has E up. Can you come mana gank him? Like, if you blow his mm. mana, it's really good for me. And I'm like, yeah, that's really good for me. <laughs> um, perks would kind of be the same, right? But, like, they're all very smart about the game. And yeah. uh, they're not just calling, like, you to help them yeah. for, like, no reason, right? Like, it's actually really good for their lane or, like, it's really good for the game or they know what they're talking about. Um, so I've always done really well with those type of mid laners. I think I obviously looked the best with Niski, in my opinion, because okay. he sacrificed himself to make me look better. And that uh, was the best, for me, that was the best version of C9. In that, like, brief moment, they never got to see Yeah, yeah. Um, because I do think I can, like, a lot of times people can take resources, but they can't carry with the resources. Mm -hmm. I think I can take the resources, and I can carry with the resources. So that's why I looked really good with Niski, mm -hmm. because he would give me extra resources. We'd play Karma Olaf, stuff yeah. like this, right? And um, I'd be able to carry. Uh, same with Jensen, I would we'd play Kendra Zillion, right? Yeah. Or he'd play like Galio, we'd play Galio Nocturne, like mm -hmm. stuff like this. And um, he would, they would help me get resources, but they're also very vocal. So it's easy to play with them, right? If you play with someone who plays a supportive type champion and they don't say anything, you can't play together, yeah. right? Like yeah. naturally these champs aren't going to be like dominating lane. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so it was, yeah, I think for me, it was probably like with Niski, I was, I look the best, like the most but I don't, unlocked. I, yeah. I look the best, I would say, but mm. I don't know if I was actually at my best. Okay. Yeah. And then how does JoJo compare to some of the other mid laners you've won with? Um, JoJo is very similar, I would say, to maybe Jensen or out of the mid laners I've played with. Okay. Um, JoJo likes to call for resources mid, but he also yeah. is fine playing by himself. Mm -hmm. um, and he uh, is like really willing to follow me. Yeah. Like, if I make a call, he's like, I'll be like, hey, can you make your condition good for this? He'll make his condition good. Or, like, he'll be like, I can't do this. Or, like, uh, come gank mid at this time, or it's really good for me. Can you look? Can you look? Yeah. Um, and I think him and Jensen were similar, at least when I played with Jensen back in 2018. Uh, JoJo, is also, it's also really easy to play with him because he's always winning lane. Uh, <laughs> so, it's like... Yes, that is true. He gets more timers than most mid laners because if he's in a position to win his lane yeah then he can choose when he recalls he can choose when he wants to invade right and so he doesn't need you to do things he just has the option to do yeah things and with. he and he likes like calling for those options and i think it's good sometimes i'm like hey i'm not coming or like <laughs> hey i need to do this but like he should still call like it's still good for me that he calls for the options because he might be right in some of those times and i might realize it in game yeah who gets the final call between you and jojo like oh if I it's mean, a split call i mean we get the final call on our own decision it's like if he's like come in and I'm like no I'm farming he can't do anything about that you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah sure there's nothing he could do he can't yeah. like take my mouse and play for me I mean maybe he could try <laughs> um, but like usually if it's like it's side laning he's like yeah. I'm going top yeah. you need to come like then I'm like okay right like I'll skip my camp I'll come because yeah. like he already made the decision at the point but if it's like level five he's like yo skip your camp come here I'm like no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some, like sometimes right um, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. It just depends on, I guess, the situation, but we can both make, like, we both just make our own decisions and you try to adapt to what your teammate's doing, regardless if it's right or wrong, and then you can talk about it in review. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, is, there any, is there anything that you're, like, most excited for with this year's iteration of C9? No, not, not really anything in specific. I think the last, like, two years, um, like, communication hasn't been that easy. Just right. because I played with like a whole Korean roster in 2022, mm -hmm. and then last year I had Eminus and Berserker as well. Yeah. Um, so maybe this year communication will be better, True. but it's not something I'm really like looking forward to. Super excited. To. To yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but just like, a unique thing about but it this might, team. Yeah, it might be easier for me to communicate with JoJo just because we speak the same language. I also yeah. realized you've played with Fudge for a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. It's like your, I'm going to mess up the number of years again, but like three or four years with Fudge. This is our fourth year I played through with him. Yeah. yeah. Has, how's that like relationship evolved over time? Because he was your mid laner for that brief moment, and now he's back to top lane. And it's, I mean, we're probably not doing him and Vulcan justice. Like so much of the discussion, at least early on about Cloud9, is like, who, you know, who's the best player, Blabber or JoJo or Berserker? Because they're the ones with MVPs. Yet Fudge has been like, 
second to you in terms of franchise players and their involvement with the team. Yeah, I mean, I think Fudge specifically gets, like, a lot of hate um, when, like, I don't think he should be getting yeah. that much hate. I think Fudge is, like, a really good player, and um, he's been in, like, he's been the best player at C9 at times, you know? Yeah. Maybe not, maybe people, not, people may not think so recently, but, like, mm-hmm. he, he definitely has been, like, a crucial part to our team, and he's really good at playing weak side. He can play yeah. strong side, and, like, I think he's a very versatile player. Um, and it's been really nice working with throughout the years. Fudge is someone who doesn't really pull up, put up with bullshit. And you always okay. need someone like that on a team who's like, you know, like sometimes like you, there can be like awkward tension, you know, among teammates. Mm. And like, no, one will say anything. It's just like, mm. yeah, yeah, let's just all just stress together, ball up. Okay. Of, you know, just have like a ball of stress and yeah. just don't say anything, you know, because it's awkward. Yeah. But like Fudge doesn't care about that. He'll like bring things that are tough. He'll bring it up. So yeah. that was kind of like that too. And I think that's a really good quality and you need that in some of your teammates. You do. Um, just kind of bulldozes his way in. Yeah, to yeah, conversations. yeah. And uh, he's also like really understanding though. Like Fudge always thinks logically and stuff. So yeah. like he doesn't let his emotions get the best of him uh, as much as other players, I would say. Um, he's the most like collected player I've yeah. played with, I, th- I, th- I think. Um, and then with Vulcan, it's just nice playing with him again. I haven't played with him in two years. Uh, yeah. But you know. I think we're working together well, just like we did before. That's awesome. Did you get a chance to see some of the other LCS games this weekend? I watched all of them, yes. Okay, did you uh, see Sniper's first game? Yes, I did. It's interesting because I don't think he necessarily played great. He made some, like, sideline mistakes. But then it was also really cool that it's, like, he's barely 17. Like, I was looking <laughs> it up. He, he was born in, uh, like, mid-November 2006. Yeah. And so he's just, like, super young, uh, gets his comfort pick on stage, and I was like, one, you, you watched it, so I'm curious what you think of his game. But then two, I'm, I'm more curious, like, what do you think he was going through as, like, such a young kid playing on stage for the first time? Um, I mean, I, I don't think he played played well in his okay. Riven game. I don't yeah. think he played well in his Gwen game either. Um, and I think he needs time to develop. Yeah. I think he's can be a really good player. But I think right now he's, he's not that insane. Um, but he's 17, like you said, yeah. like... Give him some time, you know? Like, Fudge, when he first started playing on C9, wasn't insane. Mm. When he first joined, people thought he was terrible, you know? But mm-hmm. look look what happened to him. Yeah. So I think just give him some time, and I think he can be good. I like that Hunter are letting him play his comfort picks. They're not just putting him on, on like, In a Warren box. and Cassante. Exactly. Yeah. They're letting him pick what he wants. I think that's what really helped me when I first started, too. Just Reaper let me play whatever I want. Um, so... I think they're going to go in the right direction with him or looking like they're going in the right direction with him. Mm. So I think he'll be able to develop well. So seeing Sniper on stage and then maybe thinking back to like the first time you were on the LCS stage when I think you probably played your first game with Jensen and you were like subbing in for Cloud9, but what were some of those experiences like the first couple times you play on stage in the LCS? I was really nervous the first game I played. Uh, I still remember it. I was against TL. Um, mm-hmm. my first game and they were the, the like they, they had just won spring they were considered the best team in the league and um, I went on stage and my first game Reaper said we're first speaking Kindred no matter what <laughs> because uh, yeah you're gonna carry and yeah. I was like okay uh, we go on stage we first speak Kindred I remember running it down at some point but uh, my team carried me that game okay. uh, Licorice on Poppy was completely 1v9 that game and um I was really happy after we won, yeah. uh, but it took me like, I would say like five to 10 minutes into the game to really get rid of my nerves. Yeah. Probably like five minutes, um, but I play jungle, so I'm just killing jungle camp, so my nerves sure. don't matter. You know, yeah, I'm it doesn't late. matter if you're it's like nervy, like, I'm nervy just, on raptors yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like I'm killing raptors, it doesn't matter if I'm nervous. Um, but once I started playing, I don't feel my nerves. Even to this day, I, I get nervous before my games. Yeah. I get nervous before all my games, Yeah. but it's just natural for me now. I get in game and I don't think about it anymore. Did you see uh, Sniper's reactions like after the game? No, I didn't see his reaction. He was he looked to me he looked so relieved. He, he was so happy. Yeah, he just like just like thanking River and Quid. Just like, <laughs> oh my God, thank you so much. Um it was just actually crazily similar to the experience you just described. What about the next like five games? Like how was the nervousness transition? Um, it got a lot better for me after my first game, I would say. Um my nerves didn't really come back till my fa- first playoff series. Mm. When I played TSM in my first playoff series, I was like I was like a nervous wreck. Yeah. Um so I was not prepared for that playoffs at all, and I played like shit. But okay. thankfully, I had two subs that uh, carried me. <laughs> I remember that. They subbed in like yeah. four, and then they made it yeah. to finals. But uh, I wasn't too nervous. It also helped that we were winning all our games. Yeah. 
kind of started like sniper won my first lost my second and then mm. won seven in a row uh, or something oh, damn. so yeah. you know hopefully he doesn't win seven in a row because uh i think we're playing them again but <laughs> yeah that's that's how it started for me and because i kept winning it was it was a lot easier i got a lot of reassurance from my teammates and my coaching staff as well mm -hmm. um i mean reaper still call me shit from time to time but yeah it, it, it's fine part you of know? the process it's part of the process yeah. <laughs> awesome uh do you think for sniper the fact that he was so known from like 14 when he hit rank one and there's been this anticipation for whether or not he'd be like the star on the lcs do you think that's going to make it harder for him to succeed uh i'm not sure i know there's a lot of hype around sniper um but he never played that well like in academy from okay. the games i've watched yeah. um and i think that he's gonna need time to grow i mm -hmm. think I, I already said that but um i think there's really not that high expectations for his team like no one expects his team to be that insane mm. so anytime i would say that he like or they overperform like be the yeah. top team right like be yeah. like energy or a fly quest or or us or something right it's or tl be, or tl yeah people are gonna be really excited and i think that uh he does have pressure for sure yeah. because he's you know such a young kid mm -hmm. eyes are on him as the next na talent uh, along with some of the other new rookies i think this split yeah um like masu for example uh and there's definitely pressure on him to perform well but like i think he's going to be given time by his auric i think mm -hmm. they have, have a lot of faith in him and yeah i think they should right i think um he can be good so yeah and it doesn't seem like they have a sub waiting yeah to, like take yeah. a spot yeah exactly it's actually I think most teams, at least in North America, are kind of done with the like seven nine man roster things. But I'm I am a little curious about your experience because you even said earlier in the podcast in like 2019, uh, you thought Dennis Fenskaren was like, oh yeah, he's better, so he should be starting. But in terms of pressure, when you did get to play on stage, do you think that made it harder for you to succeed, knowing that like the guy behind you was really good, and if you don't play like out of your mind, you're not going to get to play for a while. Uh, I don't think it was harder for me to perform on stage knowing okay. there was a backup for me. It was a hell of a lot more stressful right? because you're like worried about your job 24-7. Yeah. But uh, for me, it's a bit different because I wasn't in the position of a starter. I was in the position of a sub. So mm. every game I play is already good for me. Okay. Know? Like I'm just getting promoted. Mindset. Right? Yeah. I'm not getting demoted. Like if I don't play the next game, that's normal. Right. You think right? It's, it was actually probably harder on Svenska. Svenska exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's still, for me, it was very stressful because it's like me and him became really close friends because um, like what ends up happening is like, at least for us, it was like, okay, first you're competing for the spot. Don't really talk to each other. It's, fun, yeah. it's awkward. Right. But then after a while, it's like, you just kind of accept it and yeah. you're like, the coach is making all the decisions. Right. So yeah, you just kind of, we're just going to get good at league. Let's just get good at league. Let's just help the team win. Right. And yeah. then we became friends and, um, I don't know if it was a bad thing, but I didn't want to do it again. Yeah. Uh, I told Jack at the end of 2019, like, hey, I don't want to share a spot. Like, sure. I want to start or Dennis can just start. But do you, think, do you think that experience helped you as a jungler? Like, essentially, this happens, it used to happen more in American football. Yeah. Where, like, a team would draft, like, a prospect quarterback in the first round. This happened with, like, Aaron Rodgers, like, 20 years ago with Brett Favre, who was, like, a legendary quarterback. And then Aaron Rodgers didn't start for, like, three years. He was just watching Brett Favre yeah. for like three years, except then when he did start, he was like immediately elite. Yeah. Right. He never had that growth. But now what happens is they pick a quarterback first and they just like get him, get obliterated for the first year. Yeah. yeah. And be like, it's a better way to learn. Um, and sometimes that's true. Do you think it was actually better for you long term to have that relationship with cloud nine in 1819 or looking back where you're like, no, actually I would be better if I just would have been thrown to the wolves in 18 and been the full-time starter the whole time. I, I don't know because it never happened to me. Yeah. Um, so I can't actually tell you like... What the difference is. Yeah, but more just yeah. like, do you think... I mean, like how much did it help you then to have Svenskaren and not I, have to play every game? I think it helped me a lot um, because I also was able to recognize my weaknesses. Like when you aren't like guaranteed the spot, mm -hmm. your scrims matter a lot more. Oh, and okay. like how you perform... What you're weak, because like they're choosing who's starting based on how the scrims go. Yeah, you know, well, not always, right? Because Reaper also knows that like Spence Garner will play better than me on stage. He's been playing for like seven years, right? Right. At that time, it's like he is accounting for it. But it's also like I can recognize what I'm actually not good at mm -hmm. uh, a lot easier uh, because I'm really focused on what's like going wrong, like mm -hmm. why I'm not playing. And also, I have a coach who's telling me this is why you're not playing. Yeah, like these are your exact weaknesses, right? Like. 
obviously your coaches are going to tell you that too but like when it's for your spot it's a bit different yeah um, you need to you actually need to listen to it more <laughs> yeah i mean even if you don't you should agree listen it. to it like you should listen to it but it's like yeah um i can't say it helped me because it was like that time of my life or that year like league at least wise was yeah. so stressful for me that like can't sleep as much okay i'm not really eating as much oh wow you know like yeah. those are the big drawbacks yeah right? yeah yeah uh and it like you struggle with that right and mm -hmm. you don't really talk about it with anyone you mm -hmm. just kind of sit there you just you know power through it you play yeah. more league like for me when i was uh starting like when i'm sad or when i'm feeling down i, yeah. I just play more league you just play more league. like my, my yeah. cope is just to play more league you know sure it's which like, has its benefits but yeah. also its downsides yeah, exactly it's like yeah. i didn't have like a lot of people like when they have a bad day or they're stressed they do something like meditate or yeah. run or exercise or go play a sport do something else like for me it's like i just do my job again sure. you know so it's like prepare um, to do it better next time yeah, or something. yeah yeah but it's also just because league was my like thing that i did when i was in school yeah when i was you know sad Stressed. or bored or yeah. whatever right or didn't want to do school work or something you know so like just normal for me that i mm -hmm. do it when i'm playing it as a job too you know? yeah has that changed over the years your your coping or stress no, mechanisms no when i'm stressed i still play league the mm -hmm. only difference now is i try to be careful about how much i grind because okay. um like it, it actually is a problem for me if i play too much and my mm -hmm. posture is bad or whatever it, right. it hurts my it, it hurts my uh got it my forearm yeah. so i need to be careful of, like grinding too hard but mm -hmm. you know i do exercise and i have stretches so sometimes even if i'm not playing i'll just like watch bots like yesterday lpl played the first thing i did this morning was open the bot <laughs> yeah that's something that armeo said that you do more than like almost anyone else in the league is just like look at other drafts and like watch other regions and that's just like i think a good way especially for a jungler you don't need to clear jungle camps yeah. 15 times a day. Like eight's enough probably. Yeah. And then just knowing kind of what other teams yeah. are doing might help more. Yeah. Like yesterday I just went into practice tool, played practice mm -hmm. tool for about an hour, just tested because the new patch is out, mm -hmm. but it's not out on live. So, mm -hmm. um, we're given like the patch notes early. Yeah. Uh, so I was just testing out new patches changes, how fast some of the buffs could clear on yeah. jungle. And for me, that's like more impactful than yep. playing a solo queue game. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'll do something like that instead. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Players will fail because and, and this i'm not sure if this is going to happen with FlyQuest, but like for instance masu was playing like hyper carries in challenger and now early on it's like all right bro have fun on seraphine and Jin or senna and Jin, and he's doing well for it but i do wonder if that's going to happen later for him like will he be put into like the supportive ad carry box because he has inspired and whip on that team who are going to want to do whatever they want it's just it's it's interesting of how you like what the right environment is to grow. Cause I think Masu's probably going to win a lot on FlyQuest, which might help, but he's probably not going to get the same like champion leash that Sniper got. Yeah. Uh, I think he definitely will because he plays ADC. Um, okay. Unfortunately, like, yeah. no, not unfortunately, like fortunately for him, like his role is a carry role. Like, yeah. No matter how you put it, mm. he's not going to be playing tanks in the ball lane. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, he's going to be playing carries like at some point and, if he doesn't, like, they're not going to win that much, right. right? So, like, he's going to have to be able to carry, and I think they're going to let him because he, I think they believe in him. Yeah. Uh, so I think he'll show, like, what he can do on carries in the coming weeks. Cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about about C9? Otherwise, I want to go to some more open-ended questions no, and can, kind of, like, you pick can, your you brain. Can move on. Okay. Is there anyone in the league right now, like, who surprised you the most in, in scrims leading up to the year in terms of being competition uh, for Cloud9? surprised me the most... Or if there's no surprise, just like who is the who are the biggest threats to C9? Do you think? Uh, I think like when Mask first came, I thought he was pretty good in scrims. Okay. Uh, everyone else, I've kind of like played against already, so yeah. it's not like anything new. I would say. Uh, I thought Hundreds mid jungle were pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, River Quid. Yeah. And uh. We've had we've had the worst results against TL. Uh, in Interesting. Scrims. We've yeah. yeah we've definitely done the worst against TL. But is there a reason for that? Like, is it the bot lane doing well? Is not, it just like random draft stuff? I'm not sure. It might be draft, but mm -hmm. even like last year and like every year TL does well in scrims and they never sure. do well on stage. So yeah. I don't I don't really know like what's going on there. Mm -hmm. But um, I would only say they're the best we've played against in scrims. Okay. Uh, but we still are winning like most of our scrims regardless yeah um scrim bucks yeah. are so interesting yeah. <laughs> like sometimes it's completely useless but sometimes it's not i there's definitely and i feel like everyone stated this opinion 
scrims do matter, but they're obviously not the end all. Because yeah. you can have a 90% win rate and then not win playoffs. And you can have a 40% win rate. But like the number of times that a team has a 90% win rate, they're more likely to win finals than the team with 40% win yeah. rate. But obviously the other thing can happen. That always happens, yeah. Yeah. What are some of your... And this is this is going a little bit off tangent from the current LCS season, but like, what are some of your favorite non-C9 teams of all time in NA? Like, I guess like, cause you've been watching LCS since like 2013. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious, like as a fan, um, who some of the best teams in LCS history were? Uh, my favorite team was probably 2015 CLG, uh, double left Aframu, Darshan, oh, yeah. uh, Povel, Tarek, Smithy. That was such a miracle uh, like moment yeah. when they first won in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I was, I used to be a CLG fan, so I watched them a lot growing up. Um, I think it's because my brother was a CLG fan. Okay. Just with him. And you played league with your brother too? I did, yeah. I played league with my brother. Just a little bit though. Okay. Like by the time Lee came out, he was already in college Got and it. I was nine, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a bit of an age gap. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was probably one of my favorite teams. Yeah. Uh, best teams, I would probably say like 2016, 2017 TSM. Yeah, um, I agree. I thought that 2016, everyone memes it, but I thought that 2016 yeah. summer TSM team was actually really good. Yeah, they had a chance to do well, but... Fell short. Never did. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think 2019 TL... Mm, with was Cordy good. Jensen, yeah. that yeah. five man. With Pope, well, not Pope Belter, uh, with yeah, with Jensen. Which was weird. I was on, uh, I jumped on Double's co-stream like two days ago and I was asking him kind of like the same super team question. And even though we'd classify the 2019 TL as a super team, he was like, it's weird though, because we like won more easily with <laughs> Ole Pope Belter. Yeah, yeah. And he's right. Like they, he had super close five game series just to win LCS with the like super team back to back to back TL. And then the Ole Pope Belter team was like three going finals. I mean... People don't realize how hard it is to be at the top because yeah. when you're the best, people are learning from you and you're not learning as much mm -hmm. because they're taking your strategies, they're taking your laning phases, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if you're all winning lane, eventually they're going to catch up to you in lane because mm -hmm. they're just watching. Like, like laning is like, yes, there's a lot of mechanics, but from what I've seen, it's just knowing the matchups. Mm. And if you know the matches better, then you're going to win, right? But yeah. then, I mean, they're pro players. They're going to start learning the matchups too, right? Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to stay at the top because you're the best. So people are just mm -hmm. copying you. You have no one to copy. Okay. Um, is there a workaround for that? Yeah. You just run it down a few times. No, just play better. Just keep okay. playing. Just play okay. good. because like every year people are improving. So yeah. you just have to improve more. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think maybe I'm biased, but I still think the TSM roster was probably better than the TL roster. Um, the 2016. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, I feel like in, compar three, like in comparison apart, to the field, so, yeah, it's, it's like, hard. Yeah, if you if you transplanted like 2024 C9 to 2016 summer, and like yeah, somehow sure, you're sure. playing on the same patch, like you guys probably win. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that's it. Like, yeah, everyone's better in the future. You just look worse because everyone else is better. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what I think. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you can get worse as a player, but it's yeah. just it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree with you. And there's also just like this whole mix up now of there's, and every year we do esports, it's going to be a bigger gap but there's a larger gap possible in terms of experience versus a young kid because yeah. back in like 2016 you'd be like yeah bjergsen and double if those like savvy vets yeah. that was like their third year man they're so much more experienced <laughs> it's just like it doesn't yeah. matter now and then you have you who like it was your third year of playing pro when you finally got to play in the lcs in the first place mm -hmm. so it's just like a, a totally different comparison i how's uh this like probably the final question live patch is that going to be a buff for blabber or a nerf for or a nerf for blabber i think it's a buff for me i think yeah. i'm i would definitely say i'm more creative than okay. or more open-minded than some players yeah uh, most players i would say in the league and i'm definitely more willing to try new things mm -hmm. i think something that i also help my teammates with is i help them with like be open-minded about their champs i might be wrong i'm usually wrong okay but uh like i think it's a good thing that i bring you know champions to my teammates on after the past changes that i think yeah. could be good and um it's not that useful to be honest when lck lpl are playing because mm -hmm. some of my teammates or a lot of they're teammates just in general like they're just like doing yeah yeah exactly um a lot of players i'm also the same way like mm -hmm. i don't understand why someone's building something so i'll just build it and yeah. be like what try it out yeah and then see how it feels yeah exactly yeah. or like what they're playing a champion i'm like okay lck's first speaking maokai now I'm just going to first big Maokai, yeah. like, you know, like just, just see how it goes. And, um, uh, now that you can't copy them anymore, it's like, 
you'll have to get creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the most recent example of uh, blabber open-minded success? So like, what's a, what's a pick that you were like, hey, I should do this or even like a teammate. And this could be from like a year ago or two years ago that you're like, you were on too early that you got your teammates to try or that you were on too early that they didn't try that then ended up being super OP. Uh, I mean, I don't remember that many. Most recently I told Berserker Nila was OP. And Who? Nila. Oh, Nila. Yeah. I told him in like 2022 because I, when Nila first came out, uh, I duo Zazel like 10 games in a row. This yeah. day Nila came out. And I played it with the highest win rate champs on Lolalytics. Uh, <laughs> I do the same thing. And uh, I was like, okay, this champ feels pretty good. Told Berserker about it. Didn't play it for like three weeks. Then I think, I don't know, Kumi used to play one game. And he was like, oh, it looks oh, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But he didn't end up playing that in playoffs. Um, mm. It's also like, it can be a negative. I'm pretty annoying sometimes. My teammates don't like it when I'm just bringing up random crap with yeah. not the best reasonings. Yeah. Uh, just try it. Yeah. Um, so it also can get annoying. And, you know, mm. sometimes I try to cut back on over talking about things when I don't have like the best sure, reasoning. So sure. um, I, that's like the thing I remember recently, but awesome. he didn't try it. So it doesn't yeah. even matter. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of JLXP. I want to thank everybody for watching. I want to especially thank Blabber for coming on the show. And a lot happened on opening day of LCS. C9 looked like a super team. Sniper got to play Riven. The transition time in games is really fast. And Also, just want to let everybody know, Let's Go will be back for playoffs. This is not the last episode of Let's Go you're going to be seeing this year. So JLXP still going to be on a more rapid cadence. That's most likely weekly. And Let's Go is going to be back for playoffs. So thanks for watching. We'll see you later.